Good evening, saints. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to continue with our fellowship. Uh, actually, it's the last chapter of uh, 1 Timothy, but um, we're going to uh, enjoy the, 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 the conclusion of the chapter of 1 Timothy. But before we get into that, let's uh, enjoy hymn number 473, 473. Uh, Brother Aitin will play it for us and we can enjoy it um, in preparation for tonight's um, fellowship. Amen. The freedom of our soul. Right. Amen. 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 
to be with him as a cheering squad. <clears throat> it's already victory. Don't think you try to fight for anything, but we are holding his victory. Verse 3. That is a wonderful verse. Read in your hymnal. This hymn is based on the book of Numbers, chapter 18, verse 8 to 20. This is very high uh, recompense, incentive to the serving ones. Don't think your service or our service is a sacrifice. If you read Numbers chapter 18, you will say, what a privilege untold. In verse 3, arise, what a holy bargain. What we give him is fragment. He gave us as a whole. You say, Lord, I gave you the rest. These are all tokens. What we gave him are the little tokens. But he gave us more than what we can describe. That is including all men, all events. We are serving him. All things are yours, and you are his. And he and you are one. Wonderful. And we are not working for him, but we are working one with him. In fact, he is the one that does the job. Don't worry. He is the one who is doing all things for us. It seems you are laboring. In fact, he is the one who do the things who does everything. Mm -hmm. A boundless life in him. There is a boundless life in him. All our doubt, uh, all our fear, our unfaithful, um, short of faith, everything is gone. The more you serve, the more you enjoy the peace, the flow, and the life supply from him. Amen. This is a very encouraging incentive hymn. I'm sure, but we don't have enough time. But anyway, I still hope uh, Etienne can play this song again. Let's enjoy this hymn. Amen. Tonight we want to see what a privilege the Lord called us to serve him. Even we live a man of God. On one hand, we serve this world, on the other hand, we live out being the man of God. Let's enjoy this hymn. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Arise, a holy bargain strike fragment for the whole. Amen. 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 The boundless life in him there is when doubt and fear are gone. Amen. 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 Um, maybe, uh, saints, let's use the next um, four plus one minute. I think that should be enough for us to read the entire chapter of chapter six of First Timothy. Um, so, Brother Atien, could you please assist us with the grouping for four plus one minute? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I do believe all of us should have returned to the main room now. So uh, as I've mentioned that we are we are coming to the last chapter of First Timothy. And I would like to remind us that First Timothy, the subject, the subject of First Timothy is actually God's economy concerning the church. And we saw that the main thing Paul had a burden with was related to what is being taught in the church. He was burdened that Timothy would help the saints not to be distracted from by different teachings, but to focus on God's economy. So immediately when he writes the epistle, uh, almost the, 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 the first three verses, he gets to his main point. I charge you to remain in Ephesus so that you might charge certain ones not to teach different things other than God's economy. And I really appreciate that word. Paul says different, different. It may be good. It may be even biblical. But is, is it God's economy? So we need to uh, have the bull's eye, you know, the center the center of what God is doing is his economy. It's revealed in, his, in the Bible. We don't want to mis-aim because some mis-aimed concerning this. And as a result, they left. They couldn't go on. So Paul emphasized this matter of God's economy. You know, God's economy concerning the church. And if you want to have a proper church life in chapter 2, Paul shows us we need to have a prayer life. I, I desire that men pray in every place, lifting up holy hands. So in order for us to have a proper church life, the requirement is a proper prayer life. We need to have a prayer life if we're going to have the proper church life. And then eventually when you get to chapter 3, we come to, I would say, even the peak of God's economy concerning the church. This is what we don't want to miss. The mystery of godliness. This is the function of the church. I, I cannot get over these words that the church is the house of the living God. Where does the living God live? Where does he have his expression? It is in the church. Not only is the church the house of the living God, it is the pillar and base 
of the truth. Oh, Lord Jesus, there is an, an organism, an entity in the universe, which is a base, a, a solid base. And not only is it a base that is solid, it is a pillar. It upholds that which is true. In the whole universe today, outside of God, there's no truth. The only God is truth. Where do we find this God, this truth? Well, you have to come to the church. The church is the pillar and the base of this one, of this truth. So, so the church life is not only for us to gather, to be refreshed. Actually, it is where God is being realized. God is in the church is where we can enjoy God. He is the church is the pillar and base of the truth. Uh, this word truth uh, we will see later on will come again. So so this is the peak of chapter of of First Timothy, chapter three. Paul he is at the core of what God desires to do in the universe. He would like to be expressed in the church, and the mystery of godliness is that the divine person, the infinite one is actually manifested in the flesh. The divine, the infinite, unlimited, is expressed through these limited ones. Uh, the flesh here means uh, frail, limited. So God has this desire to express himself through us. Um, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we are an earthen vessel, but we have a treasure. So actually, the church is this corporate entity. These weak ones, these finite ones, yet they don't live by their finite weak life. They live by the divine life, such that he, God, is manifested in the flesh. This is the mystery of godliness. So this is chapter 3. <clears throat> and in chapter 4, he goes on. Paul then warns us about what will happen in the later times. He says the Spirit mentions expressly that some will depart from this, from God's economy. They will depart, and they will give heed to uh, deceiving spirits and teachings of demons, which these teachings of demons, they actually attack two things. They attack marriages and uh, they, they, they attack foods. These two things are actually God's provision for us to be able to carry on the human life without marriages and uh, there won't be any uh, human beings for God to be manifested in the flesh. There won't be human beings. Without food, all human life would end. So Paul he shows us that actually in the later times, God's economy would be attacked, not from the divine side, but the human part. The marriages are being attacked. The, the foods are being attacked. Um, anyway, but then he tells Timothy, but you, O Timothy, while these ones are teaching, uh, abstaining from foods, Timothy, nourish yourself with the words of the faith. 
These ones are talking about the, the giving heed to deceiving spirits and teachings of demons. You, Timothy, enjoy the ministry. Enjoy the words of the faith. Nourish yourself and minister these. Lay these things before the brothers and be a, a, minister, a good minister of Christ. And then uh, in chapter 5, we come to a very sweet portion that not only was Timothy to minister to the dear saints, but he also had to relate to the different saints of different ages. So Paul, he shows Timothy how to, uh, how to relate to the elderly brothers, to the elderly sisters, to the younger sisters and younger brothers. And uh, he also fellowships with Timothy concerning the elders. Um, which then brings us to chapter six. And in chapter six, Paul also fellowships to Timothy concerning uh, slaves and money lovers. You might think this should not be in the Bible, but it's actually, we, we need this. We need this. So this section from verses one through 10 the, the main heading is Paul's is speaking to Timothy concerning the slaves and money lovers. Just consider, how are these two related? If, if you were to not have the Bible in front of you, how would you think these things are related? I would never have guessed that these things should come together. But nonetheless, Paul puts them together. Let, let's, let's look at it. Um, in verse 1, he says, As many as are slaves under the yoke, these ones should regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, lest the name of God and our teaching be blasphemed. As many as are slaves, uh, as many as have jobs, as many as have bosses, as many as have superiors, what does is, what is Paul mention? He says, if you have a superior, a boss, you have some earthly responsibility, you have to take care of it. Your boss, your, your master, he deserves all honor. All honor. So that the name of God would not be blasphemed neither the name of the New Testament uh, economy, of the New Testament uh, teaching. So you might say, well, okay, Paul has spoken to the, to the, concerning the elders, concerning the different saints, but now he comes to these ones who, who, ha who had some kind of earthly responsibility. Paul says, we need to take care of our earthly responsibilities, our commitments, so that the name of God and also of the ministry would not be blasphemed. Um, you know, um, many a time we might feel now that we are Christians, we are exempt of certain responsibilities. Paul says, no, 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 no. Actually, if you, are, if you have some earthly responsibility, we have to take care of it. Our master is worthy of all honor. And verse 2, and those who have believing masters should not despise them, 
because they are brothers. Oh, Lord, if, if maybe we are working with a brother, we might feel we can, uh, we can show up at work late. Um, the brother will understand. No, no. Brother, I'm sorry I'm late. I, I had morning revival. No, 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 no. No. Paul says we should not despise them. On the one hand, yes, they are a brother, but also we have this kind of a uh, 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 an earthly responsibility, our serving. We need to serve properly. This is this is what he brings up. Not only do not despise them because they are brothers, rather you should serve them. Serve them. Oh, dear saints, we need to serve one another. Serve. Serve them. Because those who recompense them for the kindly service are believers. You know, you, you work for a brother or a sister. You serve diligently in a proper way. And the one who recompense for your service is also a brother. But not only a brother, a, a believer, but they are beloved. I really love that word. I really love that word. It's just because we are working with a brother or for a brother, or a saint, it doesn't mean we should not be proper in our living. You know, if we are improper in our living, this would mean we take the New Testament ministry as a myth, like an, a tale, a womanish myth. That is, the teaching of God's economy has not affected our day-to-day -day living. If, if we do not... Um, live in a proper way, and the word I will use here, in a way of expressing God in, in, in godliness, this means the New Testament ministry hasn't affected our being. We haven't opened to the word that is ministered to us. Actually, God's economy touches every part of our daily living. Every part. Every part. Uh, it's not just teaching in doctrine, but we want to know God's economy in a way of life, in a way that affects our day-to-day -day living. You know, we might enjoy God's, the, God's New Testament ministry in the meetings, but Paul says it's not restricted to the meetings of the church. Even in our jobs, as we're enjoying, we will have a certain kind of living. And this living, he calls it, Godliness in, in verse 3. We'll get to it. So, so over here, uh, we need to have this realization that actually part of our daily living is a, an, a realm or an opposite. God has given us our daily situation as a, a realm where we can express him. We can live out the riches of who he is. Lest if we don't live in a proper way, this will affect the name of our God and the name or even the ministry. So Paul here is saying, actually, when we enjoy God's New Testament ministry, this kind of a word will become light to us and this light will become life to us so that we live in a certain way. Uh, in, in, in Psalm 119, a verse says, 
the opening of your word gives light. You know, even concerning our work situation, our job, we shouldn't think that's that's not part of God's economy. The more we open to the New Testament ministry for the Lord to speak his word, we will have much light. And this light will become life so that we live in a certain way, which honors this living will be a way that adorns the teaching of God's New Testament economy. Okay, uh, I better continue. Now, in verse 3, Paul said, uh, uh, maybe before I get to verse 3, I want to read the last section of verse 2. This is very interesting, dear saints. Paul here says, these things teach and exhort. Why does Paul say these things in verses 1 and 2? We should teach them and exhort them. The reason why is it is because there was a different teaching. There were some who were teaching differently, who were teaching something that's opposite to this. That's why in verse 3 says, if anyone teaches different things and does not consent to the healthy words, those of our Lord Jesus and the teaching which is according to godliness, he says this one is blinded, with pride. In other words, there were some who were beginning to teach um, things that are not proper, that are not according to godliness. Um, they were they were they were teaching things that are opposing godliness. You know, the New Testament ministry doesn't say we're exempt for, from our societal or community responsibility. We still have to take care of those. And when we take care of them properly, this kind of a living of godliness will honor and will uh, um, adorn um, the, the name of the Lord and the, the name of the, the teaching, the ministry. So, but here Paul says, some were teaching things that are not like this. You know, um, so here, it, this, is a, this is a big, big help to us that we are not exempt from our daily human proper responsibilities. We, we, we have some commitments and these are from the Lord. The Lord has given us these commitments so we would live him out. But here in verse three, there were others who were teaching different things. These things were not the teaching of the Lord of, uh, according to godliness. This, these teachings were not producing godliness. They were not, um, they did not have the expression of God as the goal. So Paul is so strong here. And then he says, the ones who are teaching different in verse 4, this one is blinded with pride. Blinded with pride, understanding nothing, but is diseased with questionings and contentions of words, out of which come envy, strife, slanders, evil suspicions. There's even perpetual wranglings of men, men who are corrupt in mind, 
But not only are they corrupt in mind, but they are deprived of the truth. And listen to the last part. They are supposing godliness is a means of gain. Is a means of gain. Why were these ones teaching differently? Why? Verse 4 says it was because of pride. That's the first thing. They were proud. They were not willing to receive from the apostle. They did not, they wanted to be quote, quote, original. You know, uh, many a time, maybe we, we, we fall into this kind of a, a experience where if somebody has shared something, we don't want to share it any longer. Um, well, somebody has said that point. Well, actually, Paul here, he shows that those who began to teach differently, the reason behind that is that they had pride. They had pride. They were proud. You know, dear saints, um, we don't need to be original. Um, actually, the only person qualified to teach is God himself. If you look in the, in the New Testament, what the apostles taught, if you go back to 1 Corinthians, what the apostles taught was not of their own. They were taught by the Spirit. Whatever they taught, it wasn't their own or, uh, original. They didn't come up with it, but they were taught by the Spirit. Where did the Spirit how well, where did the spirit get all of this? Well, if you look at John 16, the Lord says the spirit will he will send the spirit and the spirit will guide us into all the reality, teaching us all the things that the Lord couldn't speak. So even the spirit received from the Lord, he will receive from you from me and he will guide you. So but where did the Lord Jesus get his teaching? Oh, I don't need, I, I think because of time, I'll just mention it. The Lord, actually, when he was living, he said, these words are not my own. As I hear, I speak. Actually, the source of the New Testament teaching, the apostles' teaching, is not the apostles. It's actually the triune God himself. These ones, they wanted to be original. They were blinded with pride. And as a result, they taught differently. Differently. Oh, Lord. You know, to, to be the same, to teach, to speak the same, is a big dealing with ourself. The self wants to be unique. Dear saints, if we want to be saved from this blinding factor, pride, we need to learn in um, uh, to speak the same thing, speak the one thing, think the one thing, pursue the one thing. So, so here Paul shows us what these ones who were teaching differently, they were, two factors were behind it. The first one was pride. They were proud. And then uh, because of time, I will, I will go on to verse 6. Uh, verse 6 shows us the second P. The first P is pride. The second P is profit. This is what motivated them. 
to speak differently. They would not uh, stay in the lanes of God's economy, but they, they were motivated by profit. They thought godliness, um, sorry, that was verse 5, supposing godliness to be a means of gain. Means of gain. Oh, Lord, even today, you know, our burden, our only concern is to minister Christ. What for? For the building up of the church so God would be expressed for godliness. That's our, that's our only burden. We have no desire to make a gain. But some, because of this desire to, to gain something, they have deviated. Uh, I think later on says they have um, left the faith. Yeah, led, led away from the faith. Oh, Lord. Today, we take care of our daily human responsibilities so that we would have a proper expression of the ministry we are enjoying. The ministry we're enjoying is ministering God to us. And the environment we're in allows us to live this God out so that it's godliness. But some, at least in, in, in this New Testament, uh, in, this, uh, in this time, they were teaching differently. Why? Because they were proud. They were teaching other things. You don't have to. You're, you're a believer now. You don't have to take care of your responsibilities. No. That's not proper. But then that was the first thing that motivated them. It was pride, seeking to be different, seeking to be original. The second one was gain or profit. This motivated them to teach differently from God's economy. And uh, I'm going to read on from verse 8, um, uh, 7, sorry. Paul says, for we have brought nothing into the world. We've brought nothing, dear saints. We brought nothing. Because neither can we carry anything out. So, having food and covering. Covering for our, uh, our body, but also, that's clothing, but also shelter. These With these, we will be content. We will be content. Oh, actually, those are the basic needs we have in order to live for God's economy. It's food and covering. Covering clothing and shelter. And then verse 9, but those who intend to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires. Oh, Lord, those who desire to be rich, there is a trap. There is a snare that one who has this kind of a intention, we could fall into. This, this causes men to plunge into destruction and ruin. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, may we be preserved for the church life, for the living out of God on the earth. Um, may the Lord 
release us. You know, we would have, Lord, shine in me, minister to me, the light, all kinds of desires, uh, lust to be rich, remove. Because the outcome of this is a plunge into destruction and ruin. Oh, Lord. Verse, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all evils. It's not the money itself, but it's the love. You know, um, that means it, it has hold over our heart. The love of money is the is a root. So there are many roots of evil, but money is one of them. The love of money is a root of all evils. Actually, even in society, you just consider how men, what lengths, the different things that some men have gone to just to gain money. The, the, these kinds of things have caused them damage. Um, says here, because of which some aspiring after money have been led away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many pains. If we're going to live in God's economy, we need a healthy inner being. We need a pure heart. We need a good conscience. But in desiring after money, Paul says, this kind of a pursuit will pierce us, will pierce us, causing our inner being to be unhealthy. As a result, it says here, some even left the faith. They were led away from the faith. Oh, Lord. So, so here Paul is, is showing us the proper teaching of God's economy. If we cling to God's economy, we will be ministered to with the healthy words. And as a result, we will live in a proper way that is godliness in our human environment. Do you have a job? You have to take care of it. You're not exempt. Do you have a, a boss to report to? We have to take care of it. But some begin to teach that we are, we don't need to take care of these proper, healthy, uh, human responsibilities. And as a result, uh, what motivated them to teach this way was, uh, one was pride, seeking to be different. Because they were different, they began to teach different things. And the second thing that motivated them was profit. You just consider today, dear saints, we need to be those who are enjoying God's word, his New Testament ministry in life. Allow all this ministry that the Lord is ministering to us to be lived out in our life. This way we will be saved from the love of my of harmful pursuits, which will lead us away from God's economy. Okay, then now we can come to see what a man of God is. Okay, Brother John, uh, we'll continue. Amen. Praise the Lord is good. Amen. These books start with God's economy. 
end up with the slave being the man of God. This is mystery. The mystery here is the mystery of godliness. In this book, we saw God's economy is a matter of dispensing himself into a three-part man. Saints, we want to see this matter. And I'm glad this time we come to the book of First Timothy, talking about how to conduct ourselves in the church life by knowing God's economy. If you do not know God's economy, you're going to get lost in the church life. And we know that verse is God desire all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. Before when I thought this verse, I just said God desire all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the Bible. Paul did not say come to the full knowledge of the Bible. But they come to the full knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? God's economy is the truth. The triune God in his divine trinity, he dispensed himself into men to make men God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Okay. And then all these corporate men to be his enlargement, his expression. Saints, this is the truth. God desires all men to be saved and know God's economy in the New Testament. If you do not know this is the truth, then the Bible to you is just a book of all the laws and regulations. God did not say that, you know, but he said you must know God's economy. And God's economy is carried out in the church. You take away the church, there is no way for you to carry out God's eternal economy. God saved us not only in the future, uh, also uh, be saved, but he saved us for his eternal economy. So he desired all men to, say, to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. Saints, you might know the Bible. In fact, in all the stories, you know, David killed Goliath. You know, Adam and Eve ran in the Garden of Eden. If you did not see the truth, you still do not have the revelation. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for this truth, which unveiled to us in the book of First Timothy. And this is the great mystery. God manifests in the flesh. Oh, I love this one. God did not manifest himself in the angels, but he manifests himself in the flesh. Uh, Brother Hector gives us a good definition. That flesh okay, is not just a body, but a flesh, the mortal body. And this body has been polluted by enemy. At the same time, this flesh lives a life full of restriction. But here, in the midst of all this restriction, God manifests. God manifests himself in the flesh. All this thing is the mystery. When God became a man, he brought 
himself from eternity into finite man, limited man. Even was limited by time and space. It has to be in the womb of Virgin Mary, that limit area. Nine months, that time is limited. Both time and space were limited. And he lived a human life, limited. All this went to the cross. All this is his human flesh. But God manifests in the flesh. Since even we got saved, this is a mysterious godliness. The mystery of godliness. On one hand, we still have this limited body, mortal flesh. But on the other hand, within us, God is within us. See how fragile we are even now. I can see here. Uh, you got COVID-19, you have all kinds of calamities. Men are so fragile. But God wants to manifest in the flesh. Don't hate your flesh. Take care of your flesh. Because that's a place God will be manifested. God manifests in the flesh, remember, but not by the flesh. You cannot manifest your flesh. But you want to let God manifest in your flesh. Now let's come to this last part. The mystery of godliness. That is the church. The church is come from all group of people who receive the Lord as their Savior, enjoy this God-man life within them. At the same time, they live on earth. Look at chapter 6, what Brother Hector mentioned. As many are slaves under the yoke should regard their own master. Who are not under the yoke? We all live in the flesh. We are under the yoke. We serve everybody. We live a life of serving. Even your boss, your owner of a shop, you're serving your clients. Your parents, you're serving your children. And everybody, student, you're serving your study. You have to, under your yoke, we all are serving. And we have to honor our master. This is our life. And while we're living this kind of life, you have to know we are under God's economy. We are not created to be a tool, a money-maker machine. On one hand, it's our obligation to serve, but on the other hand, in verse 3, it reminds us, we're still under God's, under God's economy. Don't forget your stewardship. Economy and stewardship is the same word in Greek. Steward comes from steer and ward. Steer is watchful. Ward is a kind of administration affair that is watchful in your 
administration affair by dispensing, by giving food. We are not in this world. We are in the heavenly realm. We are under God's economy. On one hand, we live on earth as a servant, but don't forget your boss. You got another boss in the heaven. On one hand, we live here. On the other hand, don't forget you are in every position. You are ministering the word. You are the stewardship. You like it or not, this is your commitment. This is your stewardship. This is your commission. Um, don't just pick up the first two verses. Yeah. No, no, I'm a working saint. Yes, you're working saints, but you're still a stewardship. We are live for the Lord. God has called us. He chose us and to be his stewardship. We must learn, even the church life is a mother of stewardship. We steward, we minister Christ to one another. You know, one of the saints told me, Brother John, I enjoy Bible study, but my challenging is when it comes to groupings. And I understand that. I understand everybody. I was there before. So when it comes to groupings, many saints just... On one hand, they like to stay. On the other hand, they are afraid to minister the word. I understand that. And do not let this thing because you have to minister the word and you try not to attend this one. We all are learning. Learn to minister. I even need your minister. Saints, don't you know when you share, I, Hector and I, we enjoy your portions. Uh, I, I hope in the future there will be more people participating this kind of ministering of the word. Okay. And it just reminds to those people who minister the word. If anyone teaches different things, saints, wherever you go, don't forget you are the minister of Christ. You have the stewardship. You are the one who minister, but do not minister other things. He said, anyone who does not consent, does not agree to healthy words, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the teaching which is according to godliness. <clears throat> if you have this kind of intention, it will cause you blind. You know, when I studied the Bible at that time, I tried to find out what Brother Lee hasn't found yet. Then I discovered, well, you look at that. Brother Lee did not see this point. I tell you, this blindness. Then later on, I saw, oh, it does not mean he didn't found. He just did not see that is important. <laughs> and what I pick up are not important. He just speak the important things. Yeah. As today, some people say, ah, do you know there's a book of Enoch? Okay. Uh, uh, I discovered another book. I tell you, okay. you have to consent with the healthy words. Don't try to be unique. The whole Bible is just speaking of God. And this has come from Moses. God speak to Moses. Moses did not initiate his own speaking. He did not say, I study in the University of Cairo in Egypt. Now I can write something. 
No, all the writing of Genesis is from God. And God speak to Moses and Moses write it down. The entire book of the Bible is based on Genesis. It's just keep developed from the word of speaking of Moses. And if you try to be unique, oh, we do not want to follow Moses. God speak to me directly. Okay. That is verse 4. He is blinded with pride. Saints, sometimes in the church life, we realize why the saints speak the same thing. He already spoke when he speak again. <coughs> you did not know another brother has another portion. It seems he's speaking the same, but he has his own different portion, which emphasizes. Even the, the same speaking, that means you know, repeating is constituting, is to constitute into us. And in verse 4, he say, he's blinded with pride. He understanding nothing, but he is causing, you know, he has this kind of disease. He has this kind of sickness. The pride is a sickness. In spiritual matter, anyone who is pride, He's finished. God resists the proud. Encircle the word disease. Pride cause you blind and pride cause you is a sign that you're deceased with questionings and all kind of contentious of word out of which come out of envy, striving, slanderers, evil suspicions, all these are symptoms of this disease. And they like to teach you all these old woman's tales, woman stories. It's about geography, and all kind of history, all kind of miracles. There are many, many preachers in Africa. Even though they don't know the Bible, that they like to teach. They get all kind of history, knowledge, geography, miracles. Use these old womanist tales. Paul said these are woman tales, woman story. They have no fresh light, no visions, no revelations. In Paul, he mentioned these are the rudiment of the oracle of God. Open your Bible in Hebrew chapter 5, verse 12. Hebrew chapter 5, verse 12. It talks about... Mm, Or when you, because of time, you've been in the Lord so long already. From the viewpoint of time, you must be a teacher. You must teach God's economy. You must teach the truth. Yeah. But you have again, for someone to teach you the rudiment of the beginning of the oracle of God. 
you should have some solid food, but you're still asking people to teach me some milk. Okay. Saints, in this Bible study, did you receive many solid food? Some people, they just keep they wanting milk. He said, at this time, you should be a teacher, but you still need someone again to teach you what the rudiment, you know, rudiment comes from the word root. Root is non-development, oh. underdeveloped, the beginning principle. You still want some? Oh, Jesus died for you, and you should okay, believe in the Lord Jesus. Justification by faith. These are all rudiments. Just the beginning. Rudiments of the beginning of the oracle of God. And you have become who have need of milk. You just always want milk, but not solid food. For everyone, verse 13, who partake of milk is no experience in the word of righteousness. When you come to the word of righteousness, Melchizedek, New Jerusalem, the body of Christ, you just don't know what is this. You just say, oh, I must trust the Lord and he will help me, which he has done many times. That is not enough. Let's learn to have our stewardship. On one hand, we are on earth, but on the other hand, our main commitment is not just to serve the earthly boss, but our main commitment is to minister the word. In verse 14, but solid food is for the full grown, who because of practice of their faculties, they keep exercise. Saints, we are learned to exercise, keep practicing for discriminating between both good and evil. All right. That is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. And here, Paul mentioned, while you are ministering the word of God, make sure your heart is clean. What makes you not able to minister the pure word? Brother Hector mentioned, one is the pride, one is the earthly, basely gain. Okay. You try to use you know, your godliness as a mean to gain some earthly profit. These are the two things cause us to be off from giving the pure word and healthy word of God. <clears throat> and you say, um, what save us? Verse 8. Having food and covering with this will be content. You satisfy. Verse 6. No, no, no. Verse. Um, uh, footnote 6, 2. Verse 6, footnote 2. The best way to gain. The word gain here is referring mainly to the blessing in this age. They try to use godliness, like teaching the word of God as a mean to gain. No. But we must teach godliness. Godliness plus self-sufficient, the ability 
to dispense with greediness and cares for this age. What that means is a godliness plus self-satisfaction become the strength to free us from greediness. Saints, if you live godliness plus satisfaction, you're happy and satisfied, you just be satisfied. You have something to eat, you have a place to stay, satisfied. This kind of satisfaction, we live our godliness that will save us from greediness. Amen. Greedy of a name and greedy of all the basely profit. Then we being free from all kind of anxiety from this age. And verse 11, Paul reminds Timothy, but you, Timothy, you are a man of God. What is man of God? It's a man with God's life and nature, but not in the Godhead. This is God's economy. We are man of God. Flee. Saints, encircle that word, flee. Number one, run away from all these things. People with pride and all the verses before this thing. They love after money. They not only have money, but they intend to be rich. They love after money. Flee this thing. Flee, flee, run away. And number two, you encircle the word pursue. Pursue these six matters. Men of God, how can you live a life that you're able to minister? You live this life. You pursue six matters. One is righteousness and godliness. The other pair is faith and love. The third pair is endurance and meekness. You pursue this. What is the six items? Righteousness. Look at the righteousness. 11, footnote 2, is to be right with people before God according to his righteous and strict requirements, according to God's requirement. This is our constitution, righteousness. We pursue what God requires for us to live a life right with God and right with man. That is pursue righteousness. And then outwardly we manifest godliness. Inward constitution, is righteousness, outward expression is godliness. The second pair, faith. Faith is God's word. The word of God that we believe, which is the faith. Mm -hmm. Inwardly we have faith, outwardly we have love. We pursue righteousness, outwardly godliness. We pursue faith, outwardly love. And then the third thing we pursue in our service, we pursue endurance. But outwardly, we express meekness. 
These are the six items we pursue. Paul say, Timothy, you are a man of God. Don't pursue for pride. Don't pursue for money. Earthly base, base uh, early uh, and base profit. No. Run away from this. But pursue righteousness and godliness. God is manifest. Pursue faith. You must pursue faith. Pursue love. While you are pursuing and serving, you endure and meekness. And then, number one is flee. Number two is pursue. And number three, verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight for this faith. What is this faith? This faith is God's New Testament economy or God's economy in the New Testament that God joined himself with man and man live by this triune God. Fight for this faith. Many people left the faith. Um, but you fight for this faith. And number four, lay hold. That is hold fast the eternal life. This book, everything is about this eternal life. <clears throat> the book of these three T's, everything was whole by this life. When you fight for the faith, don't forget, lay hold of the eternal life. That life is triune God. Number one, you flee. Number two, you pursue. Number three, you fight for the faith. Number four, you hold the eternal fight and, and the eternal life. And this eternal life to which you were called. God called us into this eternal life. <coughs> and have confessed the good confession before many witnesses. Number five is confess. Confess means speak out. Testify. This life that you have, don't hide yourself in the room, but confess. We fight, we hold, and we confess. You have confessed. You manifest this in the time of your baptism. Am I right? When you baptize, you confess. I've been called into this life. When you baptize, you baptize into the triune God. You've been baptized into this name. You already confess with a good confession before many witnesses. When you baptize, not only these witnesses, including the angels, the good angels, the bad angels in the whole universe, you already made that confession. I've been called into this life, into the life of the triune God. Now, Timothy, you are a man of God. Fight for this faith, lay hold this life, and have confessed the good confession. And then, verse 13, I charge you, Timothy, before God and before Christ. God is the one Will preserve all things in life. That means he keep everything in life. 
He is the source of life. He caused everything alive. This is eternal life. I charge you, Timothy, before this God. He's the source of life. And then also before Christ, follow Christ. Christ would testify the good confession before Pontius Pilate. This is at the end of his human life. He still confessed to Pontius Pilate. I come for the truth. That is God's economy. And Pilate said, what is truth? Truth is God's economy. God wants to infuse himself as life and nature. Make man God. Mm. This is our truth. Timothy, you are a man of God. I charge you, I encourage you. Our God is a God who preserves all things in life. And I charge you, I encourage you before the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus is our pattern. From his birth all the way before he went to the cross, he are confessing this faith. He's lived out this life. And then verse 15 in which his own time, when time comes, then you will realize the blessed and only sovereign with will shown. This very God is the king of those who reign as king and lord of those who rule as lords, who alone has immortality. Amen. That means there's no death. Dwelling in an approachable life whom no one has seen nor can see. But you, Timothy, you have fellowship with this God. He is invisible, but you enjoy his immortality. He is dwelling in an approachable light, but you have this life. You have been called into this life. To whom, that is this very God, be honor and eternal might. Amen. Wonderful. Okay. Timothy, I'm charging you with this God. And I'm charging you, I encourage you with this Christ who confessed even in the risk of his life before Pontius Pilate, he still confessing because he know this God is a God who preserves all things in life. This is God's economy. Is that wonderful? This book starts with Timothy, charge people, don't give any different teaching beside God's economy. And at the end of this book, Timothy, live out God's economy. You are a man of God. He is the preserve of all life, preserve all things in life. Like Jesus Christ testified before Pontius Pilate, and he are uh, enjoying this God of immortality, dwelled in approachable light, like you, Timothy, enjoy this very God, whom man cannot see, and to whom be honor and eternal might with him. With him. Amen. Okay. That is the end of this book. Okay.
And verse 17 is just a reminding. Besides charge people, don't give any different teaching. Also charge those who are rich in the present age. Don't be too high-minded or not to set their hope on uncertainty of riches, on, but on God. These are many earthly things disturb us. Sometimes it causes you pride, highly minded. I remember the first time when I received salary. I tell you, I said, wow, money is powerful. Hey, wow. Saints, don't be fooled by these earthly things. We are free from earthly bribes. We know all these things are uncertainty. They are uncertainty. You know, look at this. You thought you live this life? You know, Israel, when they have this kind of party, music party, the Hamas come, everybody just get lost. Today, the whole world, the situation of the world, just tell you, everything is uncertainty. We are not for this world. We are here for God's economy. On one hand, we live like a servant, but on the other hand, we are the stewardship of God. The Lord bless us in the church life. We pursue this, that we live a godly life. That is the mystery of godliness. Outwardly, we are on the flesh. Inwardly, this is the mystery of godliness. And then um, for those who are rich in present age, don't put your hope on this uncertainty riches, but put your hope on God who afford all things richly for our enjoyment. And then number three, number one is don't be highly minded. Number two, don't set your hope on this riches. Number three, to do good to be rich in good works, to be ready to distribute. All these riches, learn to distribute, to be ones willing to share. Learn to share all these things. When you do this, you're laying away yourself a good foundation. Use these riches. Lay a good foundation as a treasure for you in the future, in the coming age. The Lord did not give you these riches without no reason. This is for you to lay the treasure for you in the future, that they may lay hold on that which is really life. Oh, underline the word really life. That is not an, an uncertainty. That is not temporal. That is not unstable. They are really life. Um, these all earthly wealthy, they are not life. But you lay hold what is really life. Last two verses. Verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit. All the things that what has been deposited in you, guard it, keep it. Don't abandon it. Turning away from all the earthly speaking, profane, old womanish tales. These are vain babblings 
opposition from what's falsely they call knowledge, because of which this kind of knowledge, this kind of opposition, of which some they claiming they have something, but in fact they misaim regarding the faith. What is faith? They just misaim. They give you a lot of all these old womanist tales, and they misaim the faith. God's economy, which is in faith. Amen. Is this quite a healthy, profitable book, especially how we live and how to know how to conduct ourselves in church life, that we're able to minister the word, to serve one another. All right. Okay, I think we have to stop here. Um, then we have 10 minutes group. Okay. Let's minister to one another. Let's learn. Okay. Amen. Everybody has your own portions. Let's encourage one another.